Welcome to Family Features, a podcast for anyone who wants to experience healthy relationships within their family. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and I'm honored to come alongside you to encourage, educate, and equip you as we focus on the different relationships that make us family. Let's get started and focus on today's feature. Welcome to the Family Features Podcast. This is Dr. Corey Gilbert, and today we're going to listen to a clip from a marriage event I did in Mesquite, Texas in December 2020. Uh, we're going to look at two things to do every day, every week, every month, and every year. So I hope this blesses you and encourages you and challenges you in your marriage so that 2021 is better than ever. So blessings and enjoy. Now here's one of the things that I tell couples all the time and that are coming into counseling. I don't do long-term therapy anymore. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I do more of a coaching model that I've actually, the word I use is discipleship. It really is what it is. So walking alongside a couple, but I want to be a part of your life for a short amount of time as possible. Because I really do believe, and I believe I see this in mental health stuff too, as long as I'm so self-focused, I can't see the person next to me that's in need. And one of the ways that Satan has done a good job of keeping us distracted is we're so self-focused, I can't see the person next door to me even that has a need. We had an older lady that lived across the street um, that we interacted with some, and she's really, she's in, in the ER a lot, and she lives alone, and then this couple moves in. And I kept telling Kelly, I was like, there's something up with that couple. They are not okay. They are not trustworthy. Um, one day, this old lady saw me, and she comes running across the street, or hobbling across the street, and she's like, help. They were, had basically been trying to steal her money, and it kind of squatted in her house. And she did not know what to do. And so they were able to get them out and get restraining orders and get all this stuff. It was scary. There are people right next to us that are in need. And if we don't pay attention, we can't see. And if we're so self-centered, we can't see what's right next to us. And that's what I want for you is for us to be able to be in a strength as a couple that when things happen like 2020, we're able to focus on those around us and love them and encourage them and be a support really, really important. Now let me show you this last things um, just for you to, to think about, to lay out there for you to, to focus on. It's, is it cheesy? But it can be cheesy if you think about it. Um, and it's so simple. It's just from the book from the parents called Loveless. It's a great little small read. Every day, take time to touch if only for a minute. What we do with touch is critical, and I think we've seen it now in our, in our 2020 year where we've had a lack of that. I remember talking to a college student, a freshman. I'd never seen her face. I kind of made her take her mask off when she'd come in my office. And she said, in dealing with past trauma, she had been assaulted in high school. She was dealing with that. She's like, I haven't had a hug in seven weeks. But also knowing I couldn't, and I had to sit there and do nothing. And so I texted one of the, my student seminar leader, who's a, a sophomore, junior in college, and like, chase her, <laughs> go get her. Um, we need touch. Now, we could talk for a long time just about that one. Everyone's got a different level of need and, and all that kind of stuff. So in different ways of touch, and the importance is touch changes your body chemistry. Now, second one is also fun. Find something that makes you laugh, both laugh. 
Now, rhetorical question here, but it may be that you've lost that ability. That this, this year has kind of taken that away. And I would challenge you to find it. What is it, something that can make you laugh every day? Isn't that why we have kids? <laughs> to laugh at? I mean, no, laugh with them, sorry. Not laugh at them, but... Yes, kind of. Grandkids, goodness gracious, absolutely. But I remember seasons where Kelly and I would look at each other and just like, we haven't laughed in days or even weeks because of stuff going on. And usually my health was, was a centerpiece of it. Um, we need to be able to laugh, especially now, which couldn't have a better introduction, right? <laughs> Mr. Hawkins. Okay, what about... Once a week, do something active. Anybody uh, feel like they've been less active this year? Any of you with me? Good. The rest of you are awesome because I'm not. <laughs> I've noticed that so I'm not going to Corbin where I teach. You know? It's a campus on a big hill, and I'm up and down and walking around five days a week in the past. And now I go there twice a week, into class, and then leave. And I don't have my normal. I can feel it in my body that I need to be more active. And committing to that can change your, your family, change your marriage, change your habits. I've um, got a text tonight from our, this girl that's staying at our house. She's a teacher in Indonesia. Um, and so she's babysitting our house and our two little crazy dogs, or big dogs. And she's been taking them out on walks and runs with her and her sister for like 45 minutes a day. It's like, man, they're getting pampered because we don't do squat with them. But... Um, there, it's rainy, it's in the you know, 30s and 40s, and she's out there doing that. And it's like, we always have an excuse why not. It's kind of a reminder of why we need to stop the excuses. Doing something active changes our body chemistry. And then, this is an interesting one, boost your partner's self-esteem. The things you say to them. What are the words that come out of your mouth? Is it just critical? It doesn't mean to be, but it seems like if you stack them up, they're just not helpful, or even neutral? Or are you intentional at saying words that actually encourage them, that make them thankful they married you, that make, that make them see that you're on their side, that you're on the same team? The words you say are critical. Once a month, rid yourself of harmful residue. Interesting to think about this. How many times do we get Stuck because we're not saying what we need to say. There's something that just happened or something that we need to share, but we're really not sure. For the, There's not the space to share it. Create that space. Have that ability at least once a month. It's kind of getting the idea of just getting into a, a pattern. I know some couples, every single time they go on a date, it's talking about the money, money, kids, and venting. It's not helpful. It's not healthy. That's a working date. Those need to be a few here, far in between, and you need to have some time where you actually are not focused on business, if you will. But there's a time and a place where I need to be able to share, and they need to be able to share. And here's the rule of thumb. The only response is thank you. When my spouse tells me something that's hard to hear, it's easy to come back with a rebuttal, or an explanation, or a but, or a defense. No. Thank you. And then later you can talk about it. Later we'll talk about 
I've thought about what you said, and here's some things that came to my mind, and it spurs on that relationship. But if you hold it in, it's toxic. It affects your health, your body, your marriage, everything. Here's the funny thing, though. I remember times where I've had something that was really wrestling with, something that I felt like God had kind of truly said, you need to deal with this, and I finally get the courage to tell Kelly, and she's like, no, I think you're good there. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Because how often am I actually wrong in my interpretation or my, my guessing as to what's going on even about her? Where if I would just share it in the first place, we could stay on the same page. But sometimes it's just hard. In this season, I feel like it's even more difficult to do this. Now, the second one for the once a month is kind of interesting. Fire up passion in the bedroom. You know, the first time I saw that, I was like, what? Once a month? What are you talking about? And what the parents are talking about here is time to mix it up a little bit. As a couple, you can get things just a routine. Yet, one of the things that I teach and one of the things that I really talk about in my human sexuality class is what we've come to in our culture is we've come way too sex-obsessed. And it's all about... Let's get the Kama Sutra out. Let's try to do everything possible. Let's push, 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 push. And like, no, that's never what it's about. It's about caring for each other. It's about relationship. And so I, I see this and I, I get what they're saying, the parents. But I, I actually say be careful because I think we live in a culture where we want to take some of this a little too far. And that's what I'm seeing, especially from young people, um, like crazy, just... This desire to push the envelope. Why? Because so much is influenced by pornography. By things they've watched and consumed at some point in their life that's now influenced what they think is normal and it's not. Or healthy and it's not. So part of this is all of that subject demands conversation. It requires conversation. Had a couple not too long ago come in, uh, actually my living room, and we sat for I think three and a half hours. They had come for sex therapy. And at the end, I looked at her because she was so nervous to come in. And she's, they said, at the end, I looked at her and I said, how much time do we spend talking about sex in the last three and a half hours? And she's like, huh, none. It's like, I know, because it's called marriage counseling. <laughs> it centers around marriage, us, how I treat you, how you treat me. Some of the hang-ups we have. Some of the misinterpretations. This is an important part, but it's a small part. And putting it in the right place is really important. Giving some attention to it. Scheduling can be important. But obsessing is where it goes when things are really in a bad place. And then, oh, before I just, I love this quote. Chains do not hold a marriage together. It is threads, hundreds of tiny threads, which sew people together through the years. And, he, and just a kind of a side note... One of the things I think we believe is this idea of a 50% divorce rate. It's not true at all. It's actually never been true. Shanti Felden, a researcher, um, Harvard-trained researcher, a believer, has shown through her research that it has never, ever, ever even been close to that. But we believe it because we know so many people that have. And then if we're not careful, it's, oh, well, then if you have been, then all your kids are doomed or a second marriage is doomed. Not true either, which is... So crazy what gets perpetuated. And I've been guilty of that years ago. Until I saw some of this and saw the data. And it's so encouraging. 
And I feel like what we've done is we've discouraged. If you look at the culture that's happening, we've discouraged marriage, we've discouraged commitment, we've discouraged taking that risk because it's some big risk. It's not. Now, we tend to see divorces in the first few years, but we tend to see divorces a lot of times after kids leave. Yes, a few, but very few. But the problem is the way our brain works is because I know a few, I kind of blanketly attribute that to lots of people, like some big numbers. It's not true at all. So remembering that should give us hope that those of you that have time invested, um, it does take time. But then the longer that time, it's those threads. It ties us together. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And when I go through a tough season, if I hang on and I decide to work on it, I will, we will prevail. Marriage counseling has a very small uh, success rate. It's not really the best in terms of... It's got the same success rate as addictions counseling. Because it's so dependent on... For the marriage counseling, them being all in, both. And for addictions, for them to be, like, they've got to be committed to something bigger than, I'm just going to do it for them or just do it for someone else. It's got to be internal. It's just hard to give, hard to make someone see or do. Now, those of you that are newly married or, or married less than 10 years, it's interesting because, uh, I don't know if you've ever read the book by Gary Thomas, I highly recommend it, Sacred Marriage. It's just a beautiful, beautiful book. But he talks about how it takes 10 to 14 years for a couple to find their stride, who they are. So when I come into a couple, to work with a couple who has a blended family, it's interesting to watch the struggles they're having. They've been married two years, but struggling with things that they should have longer years invested to handle that. They're not quite ready for it. And so that's why they're struggling. And when I just kind of shine the spotlight on that, they're like, oh. And they have a lot more grace for each other. It's easy to just kind of dig in and think we're supposed to know everything. And it's like, no, you're not. You're just starting. So give yourself grace in each other. We're in this together. And we've only been married one or two or three or four years. And it's going to take some time before in this, in this different space as a couple and weathering these choices different than if you married 30 years. Once a year, review your top 10 highlights. So look backwards and then look forwards. Now this is not the whole New Year's resolution thing. Um, how many of you have done those really successfully, the New Year's resolutions? Um, this could be good ideas, but I love the idea of instead of the year, plan a month or two. Don't commit to, I'm going to do this forever. You ever gotten one of those Bibles that have like the dates on them and you start January 1st and you get to January 16th and then you're behind and you give up? They're really discouraging if you're not careful. Find something that's going to, that's going to work for you. Look back. We need to reminisce a little. But we need to actually make a plan for what's to come. Some of you will be entering different seasons and different you know, stages of life and different things happening, big events happening. Changes or moves or job changes or kids and their, their ages. How do you lean into that and make that a part of your journey? Only if I plan for it and I don't let stuff surprise me. It's funny how many parents all of a sudden go, oh, I have a teenager. It's like, well, you had about a 13-year warning. 
Like, come on. So how can we plan for what's to come? Because how many couples come to the empty nest space and they're like, I don't know you. Don't, don't be that person. Don't let that happen. Because better would be kids are leaving and we're already changing the house and <laughs> on to the next adventure. That would be a better picture than as in we're great. We're solid as a couple. Why? Because we've been able to do this. And these are just a few fun ideas and fun things to remember to help encourage us in, in terms of implementing. I'm going to go back to these real quick. So once a day, take time to touch and laugh. Commit to that. Well, how do I? We've got to discuss it. Like how much you want touch and their partner wants touch is going to be different. You've got to discuss it. It demands relationship. It requires relationship. And I love that. And then um, what, what do you do about laughter? What makes you laugh? What brings out that, that side of you? Especially now. Um, kids are over there watching Psych right now. Good TV show to laugh from or with. Do something active. And then boosting your partner's self-esteem. The words you say to them. Be an encouragement to them. Really important. Ridding yourself of harmful residue. And then fire up passion in the bedroom. Keep that a priority. Um, very, really, really important. Review your top ten. And then look forward. Chart your course. So important. Quote here, Love does not consist in gazing at each other, but in looking together in the same direction. We are so caught up in romantic comedies and all these movies even. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about, hey, you went through 2020, so did I. <laughs> hey, you've been through cancer. Hey, you've been through a loss. Hey, yes, we have. Some of the most beautiful, strong marriages have had some of the most just horrible tragedies. The couples that I look to and that I want to be like have had affairs, have had horrible things, have had deaths of children, have had what we would really call the impossible. And they hung on. We're looking in the same direction. How do I know we're looking in the same direction? We've talked through it, we've prayed through it, we've planned together, we've dreamed together. I see a lot of college students who can't dream. They're there, but they can't dream. It breaks my heart. It's like, if you can't dream, you're literally aimless. And they are. I wish I could tattoo on their forehead. Not marryable. <laughs> Don't marry them. Aimless is dangerous. And the men are actually the worst. And it's so cool when something gets birthed inside them. Something is burning inside them and there's, there's some passion for something greater than themselves. It can be through a career, like a, a certain job, or it can be through something else. Someone they want to, some way they want to help or serve. And I believe that God's given each and every one of us something like that. That if we can just really pause and look at our, where we're at, there are people that we need to serve around us. There are people that need you. We would not be where we're at if it weren't for many of you in this room at all. The love, the encouragement, the prayers, everything. We would not be where we're at. And it's so, so humbling to think of how much that create, how much that investment you know, sends us out. We live in Oregon. My gosh, Oregon's nuts. 
you haven't seen the news, Oregon is insane. It's part of why we left for a, little, for a month here. Um, they're not okay in the head. Um, you've seen Portland. We're an hour from there. It is crazy. Yet we love our community and we love our church and we love a deacon in our church. We love our um, homeschool group and scout group. And God has blessed us with a community that's investing in us and us in them. I work at a university that I love working there. I love what I do. I want you to have those things. And it actually starts right here in this room and those that are connected to this, this church and then beyond in your neighbors. The problem in my life and other people's lives is not the absence of knowing what to do, the absence of doing it. Many of us know that we need to do some of these things. What's going to get you to do it? What's going to get you to stop either the bickering or the whining or the, some of the other stuff that might be going on and focus on something good? Or what's going to fo- help you focus on that neighbor or that friend? Or you know what, that ministry that you've been, that's been sitting there that you know you need to start, but you've been too afraid to start. Well, it's, it's not big enough. That's not the ones that actually tend to be the most impactful. Remember the one that, that was started here back when, we, I think right after we left? Teenage girl that was killed tragically? Amanda's Hope, Amanda's Hope yes. I cannot tell you how many times I've told that story about Amanda's Hope and how that turned into this ministry to anyone that had stuff going on in their house they need to fix and, hey, let's come in. That's the church. That is the church. There shouldn't be need for counselors. There shouldn't be need for any of those kind of people. It's you and I doing that, um, sitting in someone's living room who's grieving and just sitting there. Knit if you want. Just sit there. Just be... This verse right here is the verse that's kind of been my, my life verse. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. How in the world has God used me? It blows my mind. So thankful. And so humbled. And I can't get enough. I look forward to the next with that sheet that we were filling out, where do you want to be? I was like, right here. And Kelly was reading through that. Why? I love this. And then I love what's to come from this. The book that's out there, take them, they're free. Um, get them into people's hands. Uh, why why not write it? To get into parents. The irony is I wanted to get it into the hands of parents who have like one, two, three, four, five-year-olds. That's a hard sell. Because parents of the, that young age are like, oh, my kids are too young. And so one of the first parts of the book is you need to start younger than you think you do. Especially in our, this, this day and age. We need to get there earlier and teach a biblical sexual ethic. And so we're actually wrapping up now the editing of the book for preteens and teens to give them. So if you won't have the talk, hey, let, let me have that talk. Let's go in there. What does scripture say? We've got to teach this more than ever. What a biblical perspective on that part. It's just a part. There's a lot of other ones, but that's where I focus of how we build a, um, a strong ethic or ethos that they live by. And that's my heart and passion, um, just to come alongside parents and couples and families and actually help them um, change their families and then 
and, and change their own lives as well. I do that through coaching, I do that counseling, I do that through um, this kind of stuff as well. So I hope that blesses you, and I hope you can get it into someone's hands that might need it, or you. Um, I'm just definitely thankful to be here. So, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this time, for this evening, a time to laugh, a time to hear great music, to um, enjoy good food and fellowship. And Lord, I just thank you that you created us for community. You created us for relationship. It's deep inside of who we are. And I pray for each family here, their families, their children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, just the impact that they have, the neighbors that are around them, the people that they work with and for and around. And I just pray for the influence of each person. And, and I pray that they will um, see the needs, that you will give them that, vi that vision and um, picture of what's right in front of them. And that they will be able to meet those needs. And it goes way beyond anything physical many times. I just pray for um, that compassionate heart, that care. And I pray for it also to start right in our homes, in our marriages, with our children. None of us are perfect. We all need you. And we all need to need your grace and your mercy, Lord. And thank you for this time and this evening and this year and what's to come. We, we are hopeful and hopefully waiting for what's to come and what you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Family Features Podcast. It has been an honor to serve. Find out more about Dr. Gilbert and his resources for you and your family's growth and success at HealingLives.com. And if you think you could use some support along the way, be sure to book that call at BookDrG.com. And one more thing, if you found this helpful, please share this podcast with others so that we can change the world together.